And I really think about how can I be of service to my readership? Like how, how is me being honest about what I'm saying really going to help them? And is there something that I feel that I need to communicate that they might resonate with? Episode 151. What's up, ladies? Welcome to Biz Women Rock. This is your home for incredibly inspirational business stories from business women all over the world. I'm Katie Kremitzos, and I'm so happy you're here. Before we get rolling, here's a little word from our awesome sponsor. You know I always love the stories behind great businesses. Postcard Mania started as a one-woman show and has flourished into a marketing empire. Why? Because they produce results for their clients, small business owners just like you and me all over the globe who look to them for support in direct mail marketing, email marketing, Google pay-per-click, and so much more. And guess what? You can get a 1,000 free postcards today when you go to postcardmania.com forward slash bizwomenrock. Vani Hari is the food babe, and if you don't know about her, there's a reason you're listening today, because this girl has taken uh, a passion that she had for green living, healthy living, um, and completely letting food transform her health, her body, and um, built a blog out of it uh, called thefoodbabe.com, and um, it has started an entire revolution. And when I mean revolution, I mean Big time revolution. This woman has had over 53 million visits to her website in 2014. And she has taken on some massive companies like Chipotle, Panera Bread, Kraft. Um, my goodness, there's way too many to mention. <laughs> Just a ton of these uh, Subway, huge one. Lots of these big brand food industries merely by stating and questioning about their ingredients, what's toxic in them, what's not, and challenging what they're putting in their food. This has brought on a lot of scrutiny from a lot of haters, which we really go into in this interview and how she deals with that. Um, but we also talk about how she's built up her business and what her business journey has been like. And there's a couple really interesting points about blogging, her blogging style, and how she's attracted so many people to her website. We're talking about her brand new book that's coming out as well, The Food Babe Way. So you're going to love this interview and you're going to see within the first five seconds just how much passion this girl has and how you can translate passion not only into a thriving business, but something even bigger, something that truly makes an impact on the world in a massive, massive way. So let's get going. Vani, what's going on, girl? Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. The Food Babe Army is here. <laughs> I am so stoked to have you on the show. Um, number one, because when um, when someone had mentioned your name to me, I hadn't heard it yet. And she was like, oh my gosh, how have you not heard of the Food Babe? 
So I researched you and um, immediately fell in love with not only your business, but what you stand for, your focus on health, your focus on, um, you know, live foods and all that stuff. And I have become a follower of yours. I've become a the ar- part of the Army Nation. So I'm so excited that you're here. Um, you have such a, an amazing story of a great business that you've built, but so much bigger than that is the impact and the difference you've really made in the food world right now. So um, I'd really like to start with a a little bit of your backstory as to how you even got involved and interested in in health, in organics, in clean eating. How did you even get started there? Well, you know, I grew up like um, like a typical American child. I, I ate the standard American diet, but I had a really unique situation at home. Both my parents were from India, and they really wanted my brother and I to fit in. So they really didn't require us to eat the gorgeous um, from scratch Indian food my mom was making for herself and my dad. They really allowed us to eat whatever we wanted, and because my mom didn't know how to cook. American food. She really relied on Betty Crocker and you know the the help of packaged foods and microwave foods like the Salisbury steak you put in the microwave, right. and that was really my one of my favorite dishes actually. So, um, but you know she. Um, you know, you know, tried to get us to eat her food, but I tell you, it looked weird and and it just, I felt uncomfortable eating that. And so like, you know, I just didn't really even taste it till much later in life. And it's actually one of my biggest regrets because it's my favorite. When people ask me what my favorite restaurant is in town, I say it's my mom's house. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but uh, I tell you, it really created a situation for me now knowing what I know about food and how it affects my body. Um, I really wasn't living up to my standards as a as a human being. I really felt like a zombie for most of my life. I was in and out of doctor's offices. I had eczema all over my face. I had asthma. I had allergies. Um, never really felt that great. Always had lack of energy. Didn't have the best stomach, you know, I always just felt like I had always had a stomach ache when I'd wake up or, you know, when it was time to go to school. It wasn't like that, you know, that nagging feeling you don't want to go to school. It was like I just didn't feel well enough to go. And um, and I was on several prescription drugs for most of my life. I mean, I think I took antibiotics almost every year, steroids, those really harsh steroids every single year just to get back to normal um, because my immune system was so weakened from now I know the foods that I was eating um, because what happened later in life is, you know, I got a job working at one of the big six consulting firms right out of college. Uh, It was a prestigious job. I was working on the road, traveling, uh, eating with coworkers on the expense account, um, eating what my um, boss would cater in so that we could work through breakfast, lunch, and dinner and really bill the hours to the client and really succeed at her. So I did what everybody else was doing around me. And as a result, not only did I continue these health issues as an early, as a young adult, but they started to get worse. Um, I started to gain weight uh, at a rapid pace and, and really feel horrible about myself and um, found myself in the hospital with appendicitis. And it was that moment when I was in my early 20s that I decided to make health my number one priority. And it wasn't it wasn't like this overnight change or anything like that, but it was just kind of that moment that like, I don't want to be sick in a hospital room when everybody else is out having fun. And it was December when that was happening. So it was, you know, everyone was going to parties and celebrating for the holidays and shopping for their loved ones. And I couldn't do any of that stuff. I was stuck at home recovering with, you know, two, you know, 
tears down my side of a, you know, a appendix taken out. So I basically decided that health would become my, my number one priority that I, you know, it wasn't like, uh, like health is my number one priority. It was just, it, it automatically became that way because, um, I decided that, you know what, no one's going to decide what I eat, how I live my life. If I have to work out during work hours, I'm going to do that. If I have to work out before work, I'm going to make time to do that. I'm going to also pay attention to what I'm eating. I'm going to bring in my food. I'm going to figure out what to eat. And the first thing I started to do was really to channel this energy that I learned in high school where I became a top-tiered ranked debater where I would go away every summer to these different really um, prestigious colleges and learn how to research. And the thing that really separated you from a bad debater and a good debater was you had the research to back up your claims and and not only being able to present those, but you had, you know, your arguments ready and everything. So I really knew how to research. You know, it was before Google was invented. And so you had to go back and look at the microfiche and look at journals and <laughs> going into the that. libraries. Yeah, and actually go into the library, right? Yep. And so I did the same thing with my health. I went into the library and I, I checked out all these books that were from scientists and medical doctors and nutritionists I'd never heard about. And I started to read these books that were really big and thick and nasty and, and stuff that you wouldn't find at a typical bookstore on the health shelf. It was, it was like these big journals of health. And what I started to realize is that the majority of foods that I've been putting in my body was giving little to no nutrition to it. And that's why I was feeling so um, horrible, but also why I look so horrible. I realized that foods actually have healing powers. Foods, Food is medicine. And one of the first things that I realized is that the majority of my diet was either corn or soy because I've been eating so many processed foods. And that's how um, the food industry has really inundated our foods with all these additives. They're usually made from corn or soy. And so I realized very quickly just using common sense that it doesn't seem right that um, – you could get a lot of nutrition from just those two crops. It was not a very varied diet. And so I started to branch out outside of those crops and started to look for other fruits and vegetables and plants to add to my diet. And I tell you, things started to dramatically change. Um, I went from someone who was overweight to now normalizing my weight. Now I've been able to normalize it for over 10 years. And I mean, imagine all the things in your closet that you can wear and not have to throw out. And it's funny because I was just cleaning out my closet recently. And, and you know, I was having someone help me. And they're like, you know, this looks like um, a back in the 80s. And this looks, this is, <laughs> this is you know, looks, I mean, just so, making fun of my, my but clothes. But it still fits. But it still fits. <laughs> and it looks great. So why would I get rid of it? And they're like, it's so outdated and I'm like oh come on it's gonna come back girl it's gonna come back (laughs) yeah you know what I mean and so it's it was it's been really hard to get rid of some things in my closet because I fit into everything but I tell you there was a time where I didn't fit into it and um and that was really horrible because I didn't really feel really well about myself but anyway so you know and I and I got off my prescription drugs and I think that was just a really tell sign that like wow I don't have to take these three different medications to control my asthma and I don't have to take all these um allergy pills year after year and I don't have to be on um all of these cortisone creams to put all over my face and my skin and and that was just a real wake up call for me too and I and and a wake up call for my friends and my family who saw this person um, who always had a swollen face, their eyes sunken in, didn't have the real vibrant, 
um, skin that I have now to someone who looks like I do now, and they saw the dr- dramatic transformation. So they started asking questions about what I was doing and why I was doing it and what I was eating. And, and they just, by hanging out with me, realized that I was living a very unconventional lifestyle compared to the rest of the people around me. And so they started asking questions and it, it was a, it, you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing that I was like, okay, I'm going to start a blog because I've gotten better. I mean, this was a very long journey before I started the blog. It was, you know, close to 10 years before I started the blog and actually started teaching people outside of my friends and my family. And really the purpose of the blog was to teach my friends and family about my recipes and my lifestyle tips and what I learned about the food industry. And when I started doing that, um, you know, I wanted to call the blog originally eathealthyliveforever.com. And my husband thought that was a horrible name and, and came up with the name Food Babe. And at first, I was really shy about using it because I tell you, I wasn't very confident about my looks for most of my life. I, you know, was a tomboy. I didn't dress up. I hated wearing heels. I hated putting on makeup. You know, all of these things that like are really fun to do as a woman, I didn't want to do because I didn't want to highlight my body the way it looked. And now that I feel better about myself and have confidence in the way I look and just, I tell you, I really, it was a dramatic change. Um, So when you started, so as you started blogging and, you know, you were getting people to listen, talk a little bit about that journey of like the blog actually growing and and what was that first year like of, of actually just putting your stories out there and getting traction? Because when you, when you think of people with blogs, like yours years later that have millions of viewers, um, you always wonder like, what did that really start like? Because anyone can start a blog and what does it really take to push it through? So what were some of the things that you learned, especially in those first couple of years of actually blogging? Well, I tell you, you know, I was an amateur. Um, I realized that you can't just, you know, speak the top of your mind and, (laughs) and just say whatever you have to say. You have to have facts and people linking up and, and making sure you're backed by scientific sources and other things. And so, you know, for the first year and a half of the blog, it was really like my opinion about a lot of things. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't this like hardcore kind of, um, uh, uh, blog where I blogged about like, you know, um, where I really spent a lot of time like trying to prove my thoughts kind of thing. Now it's a totally different story that I have all of these followers. There's a lot more responsibility to make sure the information that I am sharing is is, is accurate. And also, you know, it's backed by other sources. So it's, it's a totally different beast. Before it was a passion. It was a hobby. It was just like my unfiltered thoughts. And now it's much more, um, much more professional and much more accurate. Um, and so as a result, it's funny, you know, like, you know, of course, when you go up against the food industry and, um, you affect that type of money, you're going to come across haters and you're going to come across resistance Mm -hmm. and, you know, they'll do anything to try to bring someone like me down. That's really telling the truth about what's happening in the food industry. And so they'll, they'll go through my archives and pick apart my old posts and make me try to look crazy and stuff like that because I didn't have, you know, everything backed by sources. But I tell you, you know, I'm just a normal everyday person that decided that, you know what, my role at the bank, my role in the consulting world was not serving the world, was not serving me, wasn't serving my life's purpose. And I realized I had a greater gift to give to the world, which was I'm, I'm able to take these complex 
um, situations within the food industry and really communicate those in a way that really resonate with people and also just share my story about going from someone who was very sick to really healthy and how food can do that. And I felt like, you know, I cannot just sit back and allow people to be the zombie I used to be if I have the knowledge and the skill set to like communicate this message to them. And, and so now it's really funny because now I've been kind of like thrust into the spotlight that I never wanted to become a celebrity. (laughs) It wasn't the goal. And, um, and now it's like this, this, you know, it's like, whoa, I have, dedicated pages where people spend all day taking my photo and mocking it up and making it crazy. And you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's like this surrealistic feeling of like, wow, okay, this is what it's like, you know, to be, you know, to be remarkable really because people remark on you, you know? And so it's, it's bit, you know, one of the hardest things for me, um, this year has had to deal with that because I just didn't expect that. I thought if I just, tell the truth, tell what's happening in the food industry, ask for positive change and common sense change, um, that things would just work out. But I tell you, you know, once you start to shake up things, things get crazy. Are you using LinkedIn? Okay, let me ask that another way. Are you really using LinkedIn in a way that truly produces results for your business, like big time? Well, if you're anything like me and so many other businesswomen out there, you probably have a LinkedIn profile set up, but may not really do a lot with it. Or if you're actually on LinkedIn and you're active, perhaps you're not getting the results that you need. That's why you have got to know about LinkedIn Focus. I had the pleasure of sitting down with Niall Nickel, the founder of LinkedIn Focus, so you can see how using the right tools with the right platform can be explosive for your business. So what I love about LinkedIn Focus is that it shoves aside the 8,000 messages that you have about LinkedIn and all these strategies on how to use LinkedIn. It shoves all that aside and gets down dirty right to the point on what works, what doesn't and how you can really apply it to your business to produce results. It it absolutely does. I mean, at the bottom of the day, it's a tool. You could get really excited because you get really massive results very quickly. LinkedIn Focus is where I really try to help uh, business and individuals leverage the power of LinkedIn for their goals. If you are not getting business from LinkedIn, then LinkedIn Focus is a must. Just go to linkedinfocus.com forward slash BWR. So how did you how did you actually take like I guess what were some of the real actions that you took to make this passion and this blogging and people actually you know you getting traction from it what did you do to actually make that shift into making it a business like making it a system I, you know that is this um, very impactful I'm going to change the world type of a thing I mean you've got to have fuel you know in that engine being able to propel it forward so what what actually happened in that shift that turned it from a hobby to actually okay these are the systems I'm building out these are the products I'm having this is what I'm doing to move forward to be able to you know fuel this business um, yeah so it was it was a, that was the toughest part I tell you um, it was a really hard decision to make when I decided to give up my consulting career because I that's all I had known all I'd known is a paycheck from my client 
my 401k, my health insurance, all that security, that that is all I had known most of my life. I never knew anything about becoming an entrepreneur or trying to run your own business or trying to succeed on your own without a paycheck. And so when I made that decision in the end of 2012, in December of 2012, I remember you know, I had this email that came in that said, you know, your business, your, your contract's ending at this client. Would you like to renew it? And I looked over at my husband and I just knew right then. And I was, I had just found, um, these amazing people online that had reached out to me that had just saw the work that I was doing and, um, was impressed by it. Um, Derek Halpern and Marie Forleo. And, and then I started watching Marie's, um, videos and, um, came across Daniel Laporte's book, the Firestarter sessions. And I was actually reading that at the time when I got that email and, um, she was just asking the right questions in that book to really, pinpoint why you're put on this earth. And I realized very quickly, I was not put on this earth to sit behind a cubicle and make these C-level executives look good in their presentations. <laughs> and, and, and I wasn't meant to be a C-level executive, um, of a big bank, you know, maybe a C-level executive of my own company now, but, um, but not of a big bank. And, um, and so I looked over at my husband at that moment and I said to him, I said, you know, I really want to do this. I really want to make this food babe thing my full-time career. And I expected him to say, you know, how are you going to do this? Like, are, how are you going to pay the, you know, more, how are we going to pay the mortgage? Cause we were definitely dependent upon both of our salaries. And, um, and instead he said, well, gosh, what have you been waiting for? <laughs> and, Good husband. Nice. And I tell you, my friends, <laughs> my friends were saying it for over a year saying that, what are you doing at the bank? Like you need to be doing this work. You need to be teaching people recipes. You need to be teaching people about food. You need to teach people about what you're doing in your life. And, um, and everybody around me was saying, yes, like go do this. But except for myself. And it wasn't until I gave myself permission to say yes and I tell you, when I got back, so we were on a trip when that happened. And when I got back in January, my husband went back to work and I didn't go back to work. I sat at home alone and I didn't know what the heck to do. I was very <laughs> scared because there was no money coming in from foodbabe.com. I think we had one little ad up there that was bringing in $100 a month or something. I mean, it was nothing. Um, and... Uh, and so I, the first thing I thought of was like, oh gosh, I'm not going to be able to afford organic food anymore. And that's really important to me. So <laughs> how do I, how do I buy organic food on a budget? And so I started researching this and I started applying those tips and actually ended up writing a blog post, how to eat organically on a budget over 75 tips that I actually personally have tried as well. Wow. And during that time, because I was like, okay, the one thing I want to be able to do is afford organic food. So I, I didn't go to the mall. I never bought it. I didn't buy a new pair of shoes. I didn't buy any clothes for several months. I mean, I just, I didn't do anything extracurricular for several months other than pay attention to what I was eating and then figuring out how to make money at foodbabe.com so that I could sustain this, uh, this world changing activities that I was doing. And, um, and I tell you, everything just started working together so magnificently after I quit my job because before I was just spending the weekends and my free time at night working on this passion and now I had a hundred percent of my energy into this and as soon as I put a hundred percent of my energy into it things just all the doors started opening and I think one of the first things that happened is I spent 
a lot of that energy creating a program that people were asking me for. And I thought, well, why don't I create it and ask for them to support it through a membership fee? And it was, you know, people just, you know, especially my, one of my aunts, she's just like, listen, I just want to know the recipes, the grocery list each month, each week. Just I want to follow it to avoid these toxins in our food and to have really good food on the table. And can you do that for me? And I thought, well, if I am doing that for her, I need to do it for everyone. And so I created a program to do that. And it's called the Food Babe Eating Guide. And when we launched it in July, and it, I tell you, the first eating guide 1.0 was not what it is today. But <laughs> when it's we gone launched, constant iterations. Huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I'm so thankful for people telling me don't make perfect the enemy of the good because, you know, if I'd waited to make that perfect, I don't know where I would be today. But I tell you, you know, I got it out there and I tell you the the response was so incredible from everyone and it was so nice to see that people, other people wanted this service and they were willing to pay for it and support me and this mission that I'm on by paying for it. And as a result, that weekend when we launched it, uh, in, it was over July 4th, it was such a weird day to launch something. Some, like, again, you know, I'm learning, right? <laughs> you know, usually you don't launch a product over a holiday, but I did. <laughs> Um, uh, and, uh, and as soon as I did, there was so much interest that I literally could not even handle the orders. I remember being in my sweatpants and my husband was off work because of the holiday helping me. And we both hadn't showered in like 12 hours or something ridiculous. And we were still sitting there taking orders and working and, and just going, it was going berserk. And I said to him, I said, how am I going to handle this by myself? Oh my gosh. We had like two part-time people just kind of helping with comments on the blog, like no one really helping with all this stuff. And, and I had hired a nutritionist to help me come up with the plan, but you know, she wasn't there like managing the system. And so like, we were just like, we were like totally like, Oh my God, how do we do this? And I said to him, I said, what do you think about, you know, coming and helping me do this? And he was just thrilled. He was so excited and was like, I would love to do that. Like I would love to give back to the world. And so Literally that Monday, he put in his two weeks. It was that quick. Wow. And now, was that this past July in 2014 or 2013? 2013. 2013. Gotcha. Wow. And it's just been going and blowing since then. So um, one of the things that I've noticed that you do so well um, is that you are very good about feeling like you know me and I know you one-on-one because I'm part of your army, but yet you have millions of people all over the world who are part of it. And that goes for like your social media, um, your email. What kind of tips can you give to anyone listening to help them be intimate with their audience and, and people who are part of their community in a way that doesn't make them just feel like a number? You know, I think... Um you know, it's not something I do by design. It's more of like, I really, before I send an email or to my readership, or I send out a Facebook post or or tweet or anything, I just, I think I really just try to be myself as much as possible. And I really think about how can I be of service to my readership? Like how, how is me being honest about what I'm saying really going to help them? And is there something that I feel that I need to communicate that they might resonate with? And I really think about that. And I think about if I were to receive this email, would I open it up? You know, and I really put myself in the shoes of my readership. 
And I tell you, my readership is a lot like me. And that's what I love about them is that they care about what they eat and they care about a better food system. And so that's a really easy thing, I think, for me to do is that they're really super passionate people. I mean, they're the people who not only vote with their dollars, but they're the ones willing to call companies and meet me at the headquarters and deliver petitions and <laughs> and, and, and post on Facebook pages and sign petitions. And so... Um, and so I'm really lucky that way, I think. But um, but also, it's just it's a matter of really understanding your niche as well. And I think this is really important and something I've learned recently. And it's been really hard to under like to take on and say, okay, all right, I get it. Which is you're not going to be everything to everyone. And uh, you can't expect your blog or business or anything else to be right for everyone. You're going to only have to, you know, really talk to the people that are like you, that are here for a certain reason. And just to remember that and never try to just please everyone, just to please everyone. And I think that, you know, I think that's also a lesson I've learned through dealing with all the haters is that, you know, they're not on board. They do not want to see the system change. They don't care about what's in their food. They want to continue to create these chemicals because they might be the food scientists that create them, you know, um, which is fine, you know, and whenever you shake up the world like I'm doing with this blog and my readership, you know, it's you're you're bound to have a different side and another side. And so um, that's one thing I've really realized is that, you know, you need to find your your tribe, the people that you love and, and speak to them and what everybody else thinks, who cares? Yeah. Well, and I, I want to ask this question about the haters because I when I when I found out you were coming on the show, I posted in our, our uh, private uh, Facebook group, the BWR Connect. I posted it. I said, guys, the food babe's coming. I can't tell you how many comments I had of just like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear her. And I asked them for questions. And I got one. There were a couple people who asked this question. Judy Snyder and Rachel Bickle-Bolin both asked this exact question, which is how do you deal with the haters? Whether it's the individual who just doesn't believe or, you know, screw organic or whatever it is. Or whether it's the giant companies who you're going against and are not your best friend. Like, how do you how do you actually deal with that both as a business person and as an individual? Well, at first, um, I really took it personally. Um, and I tell you, last year was the hardest year of my life because of that. Is because, um, and I don't think I actually understood the impact that we made last year until I did my year end post and and talked about all the amazing progress that we had a part in. And um, and I realized, whoa! I, when I was looking for like the best news articles to post, just as a, a recap of what happened, I realized there were way too many that we had been featured on multiple front pages of newspapers across the world. Right. That that you know we were featured on every national TV station on every national paper multiple times and so i was just like okay so um okay so now i get it i understand why i have all of these people paying attention to me and <laughs> and saying things but um so individually i tell you it 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 I know I'm going to come out stronger than ever because of it. But also, you know, I came into it very naive. Um, You know, again, I didn't, I, no one bred me to become a food activist. You know, this is all accidental. And I feel sometimes very alone here in Charlotte, North Carolina, because it's not like I live in New York or LA where there's an organic restaurant on every corner and people get it. Um, 
this is a this is a very um different kind of town we have like one organic restaurant you know and so there's not a lot of people that eat and think this way and so but it's growing and that's one of the reasons why I stay here because this is the people that need me the most down here in the south but um (laughs) but um I tell you you know it was I had to really look within and become really hardened in my beliefs and my passion and to know that whatever I do as long as I'm doing the right thing and I have the greater good in mind that no matter what happens, like to, you know, and it, it was a series of reading all those quotes from Gandhi and Mother Teresa and all these other people that have changed the world and, and reading um, uh, stories and, and comments from the people on the web who have been on the web for a really long time and they've dealt with all this kind of hate and, um, and reading and, and talking to my mentors, you know, that has been a huge help, just talking to my mentors about it and also just remembering that, you know, just remembering that, you know, in order to be remarkable, you're going to become, you know, people are going to remark on you. And, and so that's been really helpful. And like, you know, those quotes where um, they say, you know, um, in order to avoid to be criticized, do nothing, say nothing, you know, etc. Right. And so I think about that. And, um, and that really helps to kind of get through it. Um, but I tell you, it's been a personal struggle. And from a business perspective, it's been very interesting because, um, you know, this isn't just some haters that hate me because of what I'm, you know, because I'm Bonnie or I'm the food babe. This is like an organized thing, right? This is this is food scientists, uh, genetic uh, chemists, people, bi- biologists, people, uh, biochemists, are, are coming together to attack me because I'm against, um, it's not that I'm against their technology, that I speak out about the, about, about the negative consequences of some of the technology. And it's not that I'm against their technology or that I'm, uh, like, I think there should be no technology like that. It's that the way that it's been used thus far has, there's been more consequences than not. And there hasn't been any positive upside to the consumer there's only been negative downside to the environment and the farmers etc so um so because i speak out against that and i want to see a better system they feel very threatened and so they've combined together to attack me and to make me look like i'm stupid or um that i'm not doing you know i'm not scientifically sound or i'm a fear monger or you know they use all of these different words and they try to take my arguments and split them apart and and try to take them apart that way but a lot of the times they don't really understand what I'm doing. Um, and I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I got a lot of criticism about my subway campaign to remove azodicarbonamide um, from bread. And that campaign was more about opening people's eyes about the ingredients in food and showing people that when food marketing says you're eating fresh, you're really not, than about the actual chemical. However, Subway had already reformulated their product all over the globe in countries even like China, not just Europe and Australia, but even countries like China without this chemical because the World Health Organization has deemed it an asthmatic trigger for people who handle it. Um, the uh, you know Singapore will fine you and put you in prison because when it's heated, it turns into a carcinogen. So there's obviously some issues with this bread. Now, 
the chemists in the food, um, the food industry that wanted to continue to use this chemical said, oh, it's, it's not bad for you in the small dosage and it does nothing to you in your body <laughs> when you eat it. And I'm like, well, um, do you know what that causes a plus all the other food additives that have been invented in the last 30 years, the ones that have skyrocketed to 10,000? Has anyone studied the cumulative effect of all these food additives in your body? No, no one has. And even the FDA has recently admitted that they don't even know how many chemicals the American public is being exposed to. So that's my argument is that we Americans don't need these food chemicals anymore. They're too risky. Other nations have decided to safeguard their citizens from them. And we should have the same respect, especially when a company has already reformulated their product without it and have already figured out how to do it. They don't have to reinvent the wheel. We deserve the same respect. Right. right. Um, and that was the same argument with Kraft. When Kraft um, took out artificial food dyes for Europe and not for us, when they were linked to hyperactivity with children, they should have done the right thing. I think it's absolutely irresponsible and moral um, that they don't do the right thing, that they continue to serve these additives that have these consequences to us. Um, you know, these additives are not providing benefit to the consumer. If anything, they only provide risk. And so that is what I am relaying. And, you know, one of the things that I really get in, um, riled up about is the media when they interview some of these scientists that speak out against me that are very vocal, right? They're very, very vocal. They do not talk to the people who support me you know they right. don't talk to the organizations that they're also, not getting both sides of the story oh absolutely not right. and that actually happened in npr um recently their their blog wrote a whole article about this and didn't and didn't show the other side they didn't interview the center of science and public interest who issued their own statement saying that the fda should ban that chemical that was in subway bread they didn't interview the environmental working group scientists that looked at that chemical and said you know what this is not a chemical we should have in our food or anyone should be handling for that matter and and so it's really interesting that they don't do that. They just inter interview the vocal scientists. And the vocal scientists are usually, almost 100% of the time, have some financial tie or some other benefit to making sure that these chemicals stay in our food. And that is really important for consumers to understand, is that why would someone be in um, support of these controversial chemicals? You have to ask yourself that question. Right. Wow. And, you know, it's just a lot. It, I would imagine it's just a lot to handle. And in the past, I mean, you've been building up this kind of these eyes looking on you, not only of people who are supporters of yours, but as you've been going out and doing this research and as you've been going out and kind of figuring this stuff out and, and you know, exposing and asking questions, more and more eyes are coming on you. So balancing that and really managing that does take a lot. So I would, I would love to know from a, an entrepreneur's perspective, what kind of habits do you have on a daily basis that really help you stay focused on moving forward, stay focused on, um, you know, propelling the business and, and making sure that the movement continues to happen so that you're not getting lost in all the little details? Yeah, so that's really, really important because I tell you, there's a lot of distractions day by day. And if you listen to everything on the web, you'll just be, you know, you'll be, it's a black hole and you'll never get any work done. Yep. So, um, and, and that's actually one of the goals of these different hate sites and, and people who speak out against you in, in the media and stuff. They want to take you off the, the you know, they want to take your eye off the ball. They want you to stop. They want you to get so distracted that you have to deal with that and not your goal at hand. And so, that's one of the things that I've realized is that 
these distractions are on purpose. And so you have to remember that and keep your eye on the ball. So that's number one. But number two is like scheduling your day is so important. Like I know that sounds so like such an easy tip or whatever, but I tell you, if I did not schedule my workout, schedule when I'm going to eat, schedule um, what blog posts I'm going to do when and schedule which meetings I'm going to do when, I tell you, I would not get half as much done as I would be getting done. And I really have to stick to that schedule. Otherwise, things won't get done. Um, and I think one of the other things that's been really helpful is, you know, especially as a writer and someone who likes to research and really get down and dirty in the investigative stuff because, you know, my investigative stuff isn't just online and I go, I still go to libraries and look up <laughs> books and look at old stuff that I don't have access to. I mean, a lot of stuff's available on Amazon, but I don't want to buy everything, you know? And so, um, I still go on the ground and do work and actually go visit the grocery stores, go visit these different restaurant chains to get information that they won't give it to me online or they won't give it to me when I call or, um, or email them. So, you know, I'm constantly on the ground doing this kind of work. It's so funny because it's like, I call it terrorizing the grocery store when I'm going to up and down the aisles taking pictures of different ingredient lists and trying to find products that have misleading marketing and things like that. And it's a lot of fun, but, you know, um, but also it's a lot of work. And so, uh, one of the things that has really allowed me to do that work and still get everything else done is just making sure I have like kind of all my meetings on one day. So that the rest of the days um, I have open to do that kind of work, that there's nothing scheduled that I have to be at or, or call into or whatever. And so, like, I just make sure that it kind of, like, batch my meetings each month, each week so that I'm not – and, I, you know, I say that, but right now it's a little bit crazy because the, <laughs> the book is coming out in a couple of weeks and I have a, a thousand interviews every single day. But um, – but You're normally a little bit more, a few more days throughout the week. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So, but normally I batch meetings so that you know I do all my meetings and then I have the rest of the week free to really do the creative work that allows me to connect with my readers. So, um, and I love answering comments and I love being on social media and so I really like to spend a lot of time doing that too. I don't, I you know I love to see the pulse of how people are thinking and what they're feeling so that I can continue to serve them. Um, so that's really important to me too. Um, the other thing is, is like, you know, my brain when I was younger, I don't think I was utilizing my brain to the highest capacity because I was so, uh, just my immune system was weakened. I didn't feel that well. I was always just cloudy and fuzzy. I had a hard time concentrating. Um, I think because of a lot of food I ate and I was a candy addict. And, you know, of course, one of the key ingredients in candy is artificial food dyes that, or linked to hyperactivity. So I, I know that I just wasn't utilizing my brain as much as I could. Um, thankfully, I have good genes. So, you know, it, it made up for itself. But and so I, you know, did okay in school and stuff like that. But I tell you, now my brain works so much better eating well. And so having that routine is so important. And it's actually some of the routines I teach in the Food Babe Way in my new book. And um, the new book consists of 21 habits, the habits that I taught myself how to live this lifestyle and also be a crazy busy person traveling on the road, going to restaurants, not being a person who's just like, you know what, I'm going to be my little bubble, I'm going to cook my food, and I'm going to just eat healthy, and that's just going to be it. No, it's not about that. This real book life is, person. <laughs> this is this book is for the real life person. It's the person who I am because I tell you, I love to eat out. I love to go out. I love to travel. 
And each time you do that, you do open yourself up to risky foods. And so I show where you find those. I show how to avoid them. I show you what to order. I show you what to do when you go to a restaurant, whether it's a Thai restaurant or Italian restaurant or a Mexican restaurant. I give you strategies for each kind of restaurant. I show you what you have been eating in some of the most popular restaurants. So it kind of remind you like, oh my gosh, that endless breadsticks and salad at, um, at, uh, at Olive Garden is a lot worse than I thought, you know? And, um, and so I make sure that, you know, I remind you throughout the book why this is so important, but I also give you like the real world strategies on like, Hey, you can have lemon water every morning, no matter where you go. You know, that's a really easy thing to do. You throw a couple lemons in your bag and, and you can have that on a road trip or if you're out for work or whatever. Um, you can add a green drink to your diet every single day, whether you have your juicer or your smoothie at home or whether you're out on the road and you need a green powder. I mean, there are ways that you can get by every single day with these habits that no matter what situation you're in, you can succeed. And I really wanted to give those habits to everyone. And it's really doable for people. And it's doable for people that are living a normal everyday life. You know, this isn't a deprivation. The food babe way is not deprivation. Even though you are removing chemicals from your diet and toxins from your diet, you are adding so many beautiful foods to your diet and beautiful strategies on how to deal with when you're in an airport and when you're, when you're on a road trip or you're in some weird situation where you don't know what to order. You have that strategy that you can go to that you know just reduces the amount of exposure to toxins that you would normally have. So um, that's one of the things that I just love about the Food Babe way because I tell you this – it, it could even be called the cubicle diet, really, for the people <laughs> who sit all for day. The busiest of busy. Yeah, I mean, it could even be called that. But anyways, it's it's really for the working person, the person who doesn't have the time to go and read all these ingredient lists and and figure out what to eat. You know, I put all the strategies in there for you. Love that. So the Food Babe Way um, did come out on February 10th, and I'm saying that in the past tense now because by the time the show airs, it will have passed us. Just came out, so I highly encourage you to go get the Food Food Babe Way, and uh, you can go to the show notes here for bizwomenrock.com and go find a direct link for that, or just go look on Amazon and go check it out, or go to foodbabe.com to be able to check that out. Vani, I really want to thank you so much for being here, for sharing your journey with us. It was really fascinating. I, I always have so much um, so much respect for women who come on the show and are so willing to share the, the real realities of what it's been like uh, on your business journey and on the entire world-changing mission that you were on. I just, um, I'm so grateful for it. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for what you do too. a favor and go to bizwomenrock.com forward slash 151 and go click the link to get Vonnie's book. Or you could just go to amazon.com and go find Vonnie Hari and uh, or The Food Babe Way. You're going to find that book. It's an amazing book and I would love to support her. From a practical business standpoint, she had so many little pieces Uh, of how she schedules her day to how she blogs to how she puts herself in her reader's shoes before she ever sends off any email and how she created product that people were begging her for basically her aunt especially really practical stuff from a higher level all-encompassing we're gonna affect the world type stuff um, I just love that she was so honest about the fact that she just keeps moving forward 
She, you know, it's not like she's planning all this stuff out to, to make these big disruptions. She's just doing it and figuring out how to do it along the way. And um, the beautiful thing is, is that she's built up an entire army of people behind her who are supporting her. So my biggest takeaway is that you literally can change the world from a massive scale if you build up your audience, if you build up your tribe, you build up your army. That is what you are to me. You are my biz women rock family. You are this amazing, amazing nation of businesswomen out here. And I just know that we are changing the world together one great businesswoman at a time. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening to Vani's story. I would love to hear what you thought about it. Go to bizwomenrock.com. Have an amazing day and I'll see you on the next episode.